0: You are listening to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, October 28, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, the California report checks in with U.S. Senator Alex Padilla for his best guess on the fate of President Biden's economic and environmental package. Meanwhile, vaccines are on order for children over four, and pay raises are on the table for wildland firefighters. After regional news and weather, we'll have Brave Hearts and this week's essay from Molly Fisk.
1: This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski in San Francisco. The state has pre-ordered 1.4 million doses of Pfizer's pediatric COVID vaccine so medical providers can start putting shots in little arms as soon as federal health officials sign off. There are 3.5 million children ages 5 to 11 in California, 9% of the state's population. State epidemiologist Dr. Erica Pond says children deserve to be protected from COVID.
2: They've weathered remote learning, adapted to wearing masks, and put birthday parties and playdates on hold. These young heroes want to fully participate in life again. With holiday gatherings and festivities approaching, vaccine authorization could not come at a better time.
1: Public health officials say vaccine appointments will be available as soon as the end of next week. But reaching all eligible children will require outreach in vulnerable communities and at schools. As wildfires continue to burn longer and impact millions of acres of California land each year, Congress is considering legislation aimed at helping to suppress the fires before they start. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi explains.
3: Two bills introduced in the House deal with the pay and job classification of federal wildland firefighters. One from Bay Area Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren would raise the max out limit on overtime pay for these firefighters. She spoke about the importance of the bill during a congressional hearing
0: yesterday. In California, most of the fires burning are on federal land and the overtime pay cap for federal wildlife a uh, land firefighters is a significant hurdle in attracting and retraining our most experienced firefighters.
3: The other bill would increase pay for federal wildland firefighters and also provide critical services like health care, including mental health, along with a housing stipend. Kelly Martin, president of the advocacy group Grassroots Wildland Firefighters, testified during the hearing.
4: We are often the lowest paid people on the fire line in terms of uh, working next to some of our state partners and some of the municipal firefighters as well. So what we're asking for is at least a review of the pay parity in terms of raising those wages and benefits.
3: While land firefighters have said pay is one of the main reasons why so many of them are leaving for other jobs. In fact, firefighters working for a Cal Fire can often make more than double the amount while land crew members make. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
1: House Democrats are meeting to work on passing President Biden's package of social service and climate change proposals. The president wants to have a plan in hand before he attends the big climate conference in Scotland next week. But the package is still facing an uphill battle in the Senate from within the president's own party. White House officials went to Capitol Hill yesterday to meet with Senators Kirsten Cinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin from West Virginia. The pair have found themselves with a lot of power, essentially deciding whether President Biden will be able to deliver on his campaign promises. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez spoke with California's Senator Alex Padilla about the package, which has already been whittled down from $5 trillion to less than $2 trillion.
5: Uh, look, I, I think at the end of the day, what's uh, more important than what the quote-unquote top-line number is, is what's in the bill and it's going to be a pretty uh, ambitious complement to the bipartisan infrastructure package that has already been approved by the Senate. So uh, the number has come down, um, but I think the, the foundations that uh, we're going to lay uh, are solid and we'll continue to build on in the years to come. What's a must-have for you in this legislation? Oh my gosh, so th- there's so much in uh Uh, the process of the number coming down from the three and a half trillion to whatever the final number might be. I know there's been uh, conversations and debate as to whether or not we bring that number down through wholesale exclusion of some important uh, areas of investment. You know, do we lop off healthcare? Do we lop off education? Do we lop off housing? Do we lop? Uh, I disagree. I think by being targeted, focused, and maybe uh, only, uh funding three, four years of an important initiative, as opposed to the whole 10, has been the uh, better way to reduce the dollar figure.
6: So essentially, Senator, you're saying, hey, it's not everything I want. It's probably not going to be everything I want, but this is still well worth passing. Is that right?
5: Uh, there's going to be a lot of very, very good in this uh, uh, final package and taken together with the bipartisan package that's already been approved. Uh, It continues to be uh, historic
6: investments. Do you appreciate the frustration of progressives who say, this isn't even the Republicans doing this. This is your party, Senator, doing it to itself, particularly because of the actions of, of Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema of Arizona. Is, is that frustrating to you that you're dealing kind of with a, a, a revolt from within your party and not Republican opposition?
5: I absolutely share the frustration. But let's also be clear. The reason we're having to uh, navigate 50 Democratic votes is because Republicans refuse to participate, Republicans refuse to collaborate. Republicans are refusing to invest in so many areas of uh, our nation's infrastructure and our economy uh, that uh, this is the the only device that we have left. But budget reconciliation is a vehicle to
6: make all this happen. Are you frustrated with mansion and cinema? Just simple question. Are you with with their actions and their positions?
5: Uh, look, I've been in uh, public service for uh, 20 years. There's times I've been frustrated at the City Council in Los Angeles, the State Senate in Sacramento, uh, and uh, that continues to uh, uh, be the case here because the process is the process, but I'm optimistic uh, we're going to get something big and bold done here in the near
6: future. All right, Senator Alex Padilla, a U.S. Senator for the great state of California. Thank you so much for joining us on the California Report.
5: Thank you. Continue to stay safe.
7: Support
8: for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, Rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com.
1: And that's the California Report for Thursday, October 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening.
0: In regional news, this from today's Union newspaper in Grass Valley, for only the third time in its 72 years of operations, the ski resort, now known as Palisades Tahoe, is open in October. After last weekend's early season storm dropped three and a half feet of snow at upper elevations, the resort announced it would start its lifts today. Grooming will be limited and more lifts may be added as assessment continues. Palisades Tahoe will operate from 9 to 3, Friday through Sunday, until daily operations begin November 24th. Boreal Mountain has also opened, three weeks ahead of schedule. Donner Ski Ranch and Sugar Bowl have yet to announce opening dates. According to the union, Sugar Bowl reports it is short staffed and will host a virtual hiring event on November 4th. Also from the union newspaper, Thanks to Give, a volunteer project that delivers meals to elderly and disabled residents in Nevada County who are spending Thanksgiving alone, will return this year, according to organizer Melody King. King and her sister, Melissa Hannabrink, took over the project in 2018 after participating as volunteers. For 19 years, the project was run by founders Nancy Zeno Hamilton and Frances Hamilton. King and Hannah Brink first led the effort on their own in 2019. We were so excited in 2019 because it really got big, King said, adding that 275 meals were delivered Thanksgiving morning that year. King explained that last year, uncertainty about how to safely navigate the project in the COVID-19 pandemic led to the decision to cancel it. King said she believes the project now knows more about keeping safe during COVID, which led to the decision to resume. Many recipients of Thanks to Give are referred by the Meals on Wheels program, which does not deliver on Thanksgiving, King said. She added, if anybody is aware of an elderly or disabled person who is alone on Thanksgiving and doesn't have family around or isn't able to get out, they can go to our website and put that person's contact info down to receive a meal. The website? thanks to givecom On Wednesday, Nevada County Transit announced the winner of its bus art competition, selected by a community vote. The favored design was Poppies by Denise Way. Next summer, Denise's design will appear on 11 fixed-route Nevada County Connects buses. Nevada County Connects is the new name for the gold country stage. Robin Van Valkenburgh, Transit Services Manager, said, The many varied pieces submitted truly represent the artistic diversity of Nevada County and its artists. We are grateful to all those who participated. It's Tire Amnesty Week in Nevada County, and so far, according to a report in the Union, the event has collected 3,500 tires. On Friday, the event moves to the Washington Transfer Station on Gaston Road in the town of Washington. Drop-off hours are 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. This event is for residents of Nevada County only and is not open to businesses. No tractor or commercial tires will be accepted. The amnesty is sponsored by the Bureau of Land Management, Waste Management, Nevada County, and the Tahoe National Forest and has taken in about 7,000 tires each year since the program began in 2012. The tires go to a recycling facility in Stockton. And finally, this report from Ubinet, Eldorado County Assessor Carl Weiland, today announced that his office has processed the first batch of property tax value reductions for victims of the Caldor Fire. About 500 residences, most of which are in the Grizzly Flat area, and about 130 cabins on U.S. Forest Service land along Highway 50, are included in the first round of reductions. Weiland said our goal is to get property tax relief out as quickly as possible. In the case of destroyed residential property, the assessed value is being reduced by about 85 percent, leaving a 15 percent residual reflecting the underlying value of the land and credits for other fees. In regional weather, mostly sunny and mild Friday, a little cooler Saturday and Sunday. The next chance of rain in the forecast is on Monday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, a few clouds with a low of 57. On Friday in Nevada City and Grass Valley, mostly sunny with a high of 72 and a low of 53. In Truckee tonight, a few clouds and a low around 30. On Friday in Truckee, some clouds giving way to mostly sunny skies in the afternoon with a high of 61 and a low of 35. In Sacramento tonight, a few clouds with temperatures in the low 50s. On Friday in Sacramento, mostly sunny with a high of 72 and a low of 55.
3: Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts,
2: where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like, and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis.
3: We are your hosts, William Wallace and
6: Betty Louise,
3: and these are the Bravehearts.
6: This is Part 7 of Braveheart's Betty Louise in conversation with social worker Kelly Gallagher, Grass Valley Police Chief Alex Gamelgard, and Grass Valley Police Officer Jonathan Brown. They discuss a new program under the California Violence Intervention and Prevention Grant, in which social workers and police officers respond to calls as partners and use de-escalation as a main tool when engaging with the homeless community. So,
2: do you guys feel, like, really fulfilled? filled and satisfied at the end of the day do you have some days that are just like oh my god i don't know if i can do it tomorrow like what's the experience of this kind of work
4: well for me this position itself has been kind of life-changing because i've been doing social work for a long time but never had a good relationship with law enforcement quite frankly I'm used to police officers coming to a scene where I am and being criticized. Why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? So um, it was interesting for me to step into this role where I'm getting a whole civilian perspective on law enforcement, why they do things the way that they do. It's totally changed my view of law enforcement in a good way. I really appreciate GVPD and how amazing this group of guys and gals really is. They're really unique and really special. So for me, I look forward to work every day. I never know what kind of an adventure we're going to have, who we're going to see, when he's going to throw on the lights and sirens. You just never <laughs> know what's going to happen in a day, and I feel very fortunate to be in this position. That is wonderful. So you shifted your perception. Very much. And what about
2: it with the homeless community?
4: With the homeless community, I've always kind of had just because I've been working with them and in permanent supportive housing. So I've already kind of developed that understanding of, you know, what leads to homelessness and, and that passion for, like I was saying, like restoration of dignity. So that part already came easily to me. It was getting to know law enforcement that was different. So what about you, Jonathan?
7: It's an awesome experience. I love the position. At the end of the day... Each day is different, you know, some days we have these really, really exciting days where we've been working with somebody for weeks or days or months and we finally are able to get the stars to align and they get, you know, off Mm. the street and into supportive housing and they have a case manager and all of that goes right. And that's just amazing. Some days we have days where the person that was that highlight a month ago is now back, Mm -hmm. you know, on the street and
4: swearing at us and (laughs) swearing at us and
7: trying to fight, all of this stuff. And so you, know, you can't take it personally. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely one of these patients and trying to understand like, okay, take each day as a new day. Let's see what we can do and understanding the trauma, mental health and the other issues that people may have and not coming at it from a judgment like, oh, well, I helped you before. Now, now you're off. So, okay, you're, you're dead to me. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. You know, right. it's just trying to take each day as a new
2: day. Well, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that you listened for 15 minutes and didn't say anything. I mean, that's hard to do. Still. No. It really is. So, Chief, what's the next thing with this program? How long is it going to be going? And you got some grant money, and what's your projection?
7: It was a 33 month grant. And, and, you know, we're still, I would say, early in it. Uh, we're still collecting the data and submitting our reports, but we think we're going to have a lot of good data to be able to sort of understand the value of this kind of program. But I do think in some form or fashion, this type of work in policing is going to continue and will become mainstream. So I do think that we're going to see more of this type of interaction with the community members moving forward. And I think that If agencies and police leaders aren't looking at that, then they're going to become obsolete. So I think that, I think you're going to see more of it. And I know from my perspective, just changing our models in policing to be more preventative instead of reactionary is going to be important. And that's what we've been focusing on here for a while. And this is a great example of that.
3: Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind.
7: This
2: project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org.
0: And now, Molly Fisk.
7: Molly Fisk observations from a working poet.
8: You might not realize, if you saw me sitting outdoors on this coffee shop patio, that I am incredibly famous. This week only, of course, because of a piece I wrote that was published on a national magazine's website. But still, whatever fame is, that's another question. Strangers learning your name for large or small reasons and having opinions about you. Luckily, I don't hear much about the opinions except praise. And we all like at least a little praise, don't we? Our inner golden retriever is so happy to hear it. But then it's time for a long walk and a milk bone and normal life resumes. In my case, another radio commentary for KVMR and some delicious coffee. Life is such a balancing act. The famous marriage vows apply to us all in relation to our lives, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, as long as we shall live. The job seems to be how to cope with it all and not fall apart for too long, how to keep going. This can be quite hard to do. The culture floats its fantasies in front of us, that things always get better, that you're responsible for your own fate. Keeping going isn't taught overtly in school, so we blunder along learning as we go or refusing to learn taking the good luck, the consequences, the unforeseen heinous disasters. I've been thinking about generosity, the big heart of the friend who helped me get my article written and published. How generous I want to be, but often am not, with my time, money, experience, patience. The holidays are looming and the pandemic continues, both events one can face with flexibility and grace or not. I think the opposite of generosity is not miserliness, but fear. So I'm keeping an eye on when I feel afraid and asking myself what's up. I can feel it in my body, a constriction of shoulders, shallower breathing, much less space in my head to consider any problem that might show up. I'm using a silly trick my dentist taught me as the needle full of Novocaine approaches my open mouth and every muscle clenches even though my eyes are closed. Wiggle your toes, she'll suddenly say with authority, startling me, and I do. By the time my attention can return to my face, the needle is in and gone, leaving just the sting's shadow. The piece I wrote was personal and damning. I was trying to balance truth as I recall it, with generosity to those involved. Not hiding hard events, but acknowledging all possible love. I don't know if it worked or not, but this time around, after years of practice, I can say I did my best. And what do we have to give but that? Just remember, next time you see a middle-aged poet sitting outdoors, intent on her notebook, there are probably things that don't show. Her inner golden retriever might be chasing the ball of praise through long grass. And she could be temporarily very famous, and at the same time, wiggling her toes.
7: Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public
0: Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30 p.m., a new edition of The Climate Report with host Martin Webb. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. Bravehearts is edited by Kelly Reese. As always, thanks for listening. Check out our website, kvmr.org to hear expanded versions of many of our stories and interviews, or you can listen to the KVMR Evening News wherever you get your podcasts. And set your radio dial to KVMR for real-time updates on community news in case of emergency. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street, Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Don Adams Antenna Services, local dish-authorized retailer, assisting Nevada County residents with satellite television for over 35 years. Jaworski Drive, Grass Valley, 530-274-3709. DonAdamsGV.com. This is Joyce Miller wishing you a wonderful Thursday evening.